What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the JTS Podcast. My name is Marcus Modi, alongside my partners, Patton Cook and Gabe Jones. We are here. We're going to get straight into it because we're going to talk about the NBA lottery that just happened on yesterday, last night. And uh, looks like Kay Cunningham will be going to the Detroit Pistons, unfortunately. Uh, Sir Patton, his Cleveland Cavaliers, gets the third pick. And then also the Toronto Raptors get the fourth pick. It just slipped my mind who got the second pick. Just like that. It's the Rockets. 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 Yes. That's that's, that's the, the pick that you that, wanted. Do you mind it? Yeah, that, that's exactly that's, that's exactly why you the forgot. pick. That yep. You are correct, Gabe. Because that's the pick that I wanted as a Thunder fan. We was hoping that the Rockets get out of the top five so we could take their pick. But Rockets get number two, Cavs get number three, Toronto gets number four, Orlando gets number five, and then the Thunder gets six. Now, now Sir Patton, I have a question for you because me personally, as a Thunder fan, we wanted to get that Houston pick because we if we got the Houston pick, that means we was going to have potentially two top five picks. But what are your Cavs going to do with the third pick? Because now, right now, uh, Jonathan Giovanni saying y'all going to get Evan Mobley. But I don't see that happen. There's no reason for that because, you know, you still got good old Kevin Love and you got uh, – Jared Allen. So Jared what, Allen, what, what's, what, what you guys going to do? Well, it's, it's an interesting position that the Cavs are in because there's kind of about three or four different developments. One is the classic trade away for a star. And I think that all depends on what's, what that star is, is are the Celtics looking to shake it up? Are they looking to get rid of Jalen Brown? Do we offer our third pick and a Colin Sexton? Who knows? Uh, I, I, I think that's one possibility, but I would not trade it for, um, a Tyler Hero. I, I mean, I'm just throwing a name out there. I want a, a bona fide star if we're getting rid of this third overall pick. Another one is going to just be to, to pick in the spot right now. I don't see us trading down at all for extra draft picks. Like the, right now, the, the pick is now and the future is now. And I, I think there's really three players that we're really looking at right now. One of them is Jalen Suggs. And this is a situation where I don't think Colin Sexton would stay around. I, I think there's a, there's a kind of a trade possibility for another player that I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but I think if Jalen Suggs is the guy the Cavs are looking at right now, that's going to be the end of the Colin Sexton experience. And that's going to mean him uh, kind of getting in, in, in trade talks in, in other situations. That is the least likely situation, I think. I don't see the t- Cavs taking Jalen Suggs. I think it, we are going to get either Evan Mobley or J- Jalen Green. And it's whoever the Houston Rockets don't pick between the two of those is where the Cavs are going to go with. And kind of the situation right now with Evan Mobley, I'll kind of break it down. Kind of how you look at him and kind of his ball handling and kind of the quickness of his feet. I've already um, got on YouTube, uh, as every NBA draft expert has done, and I've scouted him just a little bit. But I think he can guard the four position just fine. I think he's got quick enough feet. He's got the rim protection that uh, Jared Allen has as well, and we'd have the the twin towers, if you will, at that spot. And he can shoot the ball as well. He, he would space the floor out well enough, I think, um, for Evan Mobley. He's going to continue to develop that shot, but I think they can make that work. But really, I think the one they would like to do the most is have Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green is the guy that they're looking at right now, and that would mean not trading Colin Sexton, I think that means have Colin Sexton be the guy I think he can be, and I think he could be a Jordan Clarkson, a sixth man of the year candidate. 
uh, kind of run that second unit. That's the player I'm looking at right now. Jalen Green, of course, skipping uh, college and going straight to the G League. And he's just lightning in a bottle, Marcus. I think you can agree with that. Um, that's a guy I'm looking at right now. I want him to fall to us, unfortunately. I don't see the Houston Rockets uh, letting that happen necessarily. So I think it's going to be the Evan Mobley show. I think that's most likely my favorite would be Jalen Green. But I will say this, and I'll let um, Gabe you hit on it. As a Cavaliers fan who we've had kind of the worst kind of roster and the worst records the past three years to finally get in the top four was a breath of fresh air. We've been in eight and five, two years in a row. And this was our really best finish in quite some time. And to get in, into that number three spot, it just shows how flawed I think the draft lottery is because you have teams like the Cavaliers, the Chicago Bulls before that, where they're not tanking, they just suck and they need a good draft pick. And, and the lottery really wasn't giving them that, I feel. But now the Cavs are in a good position right now where they can kind of take off the scraps of whatever Houston Rockets don't pick. And that's finally what they need. I'm going to um, push back to you, Patton, number one, uh, your draft uh, analysis. I think that the NBA is doing the best that they can. They don't really want to reward losing. They didn't want to reward tanking. We've seen what the 76ers did with, um, I believe his last name was Tinker, their GM back in like 2012, 2014. I, I believe they fired him around like 2015, 2016, right as the process was becoming a success or at least their version of success of what they've gotten so far because they just lost games purposely um, so they could get number one picks. And I think that the NBA has tried the best that they can, but it's not like the NFL where you have a 50-man roster and, like, you just – if you're bad, then you're just bad and you do need help getting those higher picks to get better. Um, I think that there is a lot more that you can do with the NBA team as far as movement of players to increase your roster's, um, your roster's ability to win games. Uh, luckily for the Cavs, y'all do get in the top three, so y'all will be picking a guy um, that has talent. But the players that – the top talented players that y'all will be able to pick from Y'all already have some type of talent at those positions. So I do believe that if you do get a point guard, then you will, or a guard in general, you will have to move uh, either Garland or Sexton. Or if you go with the power forward, then just move Kevin Love. And I don't see anything wrong with moving Kevin Love. The only issue, y'all won't be able to move him because of how he is, his injury history, and that contract. And I, I, will, I will push back just a little bit. We've been desperately trying to get rid of Kevin Love. Uh, really what the talk is right now is teams are saying, we're doing you a favor for getting rid of Kevin Love, so we're not getting anything in, 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 in return. If anything, it's a salary dump, and we're looking at least for, <laughs> I don't know, something to come back the other way with it. But I do agree. I, um, in a perfect world, I would love Sexton to come off the bench, but I just don't think he has that kind of want to. He wants to be a starter and he wants to be a star. And I think he is a he's a close to a star right now in the NBA, just with his scoring ability and his really his perseverance. He's kind of been a small guy his whole life and he's come into the NBA small and he's been a 20 uh, uh, plus point per game score. So that that all goes to credit to him. I would love for him to stay, but right now he's looking for a hundred plus million, and I don't think the Cavs can offer that. 
I agree with you, Gabe, because that's messing up what the Thunder needs. We need either a guard or a big man. And I would love Jalen Suggs. I would love Jalen Green. Or I would love Evan Mobley. You saw we just traded Al Horford away. We got Kimball Walker. Well, Kimball Walker can be another trade piece. It's just that the Cavs and Toronto is messing with the Thunder selections. Because you know the Magic wasn't going to... If, if the Cavs don't get Evan Mobley, we know that Toronto isn't really looking for him. And we know the Magic isn't really looking for him. But he's not dropping out of the top three. We know good and well about that. Jalen Suggs is still going to be a top five pick. You know, and it was a great... Uh, I believe it was Royce Young, uh, one of the Thunder uh, beat writers... He was like the last draft pick to be an all-star at number six was Damian Lillard in 2012. That was the last guy. That was, yeah, that's Gabe's guy. That was the last person who was got drafted number six to be an all-star. Not even a superstar, a all-star at that. So that sixth spot is just a weird spot to be at. It's a tough break for Sam Presti, but also you got to realize, you got a plethora of picks. You got Kimball Walker. Anybody that needs Kimball Walker can, can get him right then, right now. Uh, if I'm Sam Presti, honestly, I would try to be looking on how, like, the Dallas-Atlanta trade was and how Atlanta got Trey Young and then Mavs got Luka. You could see something like that happening for any of those guys. Is it somebody that I think is going to actually want to do that in the top five? No, honestly not because – we know Detroit's not trading outside of getting Cade. Cade is going number one. Houston is going to get a guard most likely to uh, to follow up with Kevin Porter Jr. And then I, I don't I don't know what the Cavs. That's what I said. The Cavs. Cavs. I, I'm clueless about. You know Toronto is most likely going to go with a guard just because Kyle Lowry. He's he's one to be gone out of there. So if anybody needs a veteran point guard, you know you can look for Kyle Lowry. I lie like the Lakers and whatnot. What you got, Pat? Well, I, I will say this. You reminded me of Kevin Porter Jr., who I really wanted to work on the Cavaliers, but just kind of doing of his own and doing of the organization, they just really never felt like it was going to work uh, personality-wise. But one thing they did say was they thought that the kind of combination of Colin Sexton, Kevin Porter Jr., and Darius Garland was going to work. And I see Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., the skill sets are exactly the same. I, I see them being extremely similar players. Of course, Kevin Porter's a little bit taller, a little bit bigger, but I think the skill sets both of them have, they, they're ball dominant, uh, athletic as heck, and they can really score the basketball. I think those two go together hand in hand, and I, I, that's why I see Jalen Green working um, with the Cavaliers because they saw Kevin Porter, Dev, Darius Garland, and Colin Sexton start to work before kind of the end of COVID, and that's really um, a shame that that, that it in, ended up having because I thought those three were really starting to click. So the Cavs are in a, a tough position because Isaac Okoro is also kind of an in-betweener. In you don't know whether to stick him at the four or stick him at the three because – if you stick him at the four, he doesn't space the floor enough. And at the three, he really doesn't space the floor enough just as yet as well. But his defense is really uh, – I, I I can't say I've seen too much more like it other than Kawhi Leonard. I, I think they put him against guys night in, night out. Not a perfect fit for them where if you had a, a Cade Cunningham, that's the perfect fit because you're really going to get away with it. Yeah, uh, I think with Isaac as well, 
you, he's a little bit too short to put him at the four. The cat, I don't think the Cavs want to go extremely small, looking like a uh, middle school uh, team <laughs> <laughs> with nothing but six six guys and under. Uh, so I think that. Um, oh my bad, Marcus. Go ahead, finish your talk. Now, now go ahead. Um, I think that eventually, if y'all do draft a guard, um, let's say that you go get if a miracle happens and Jalen Green falls to you, um, or you don't draft Mobley and get Suggs, um, I think that you will have to move on from either Garland or Colin Sexton. And I think that you could probably get more from Colin Sexton depending upon which team that you trade mm-hmm. him with. Because I think that, one, I think that if you do trade Colin Sexton, you're going to regret it unless you get something extraordinarily uh, perfect for your team as far as either fit or maybe even draft picks. But if y'all are trying to improve upon your record and try to actually win games, then you're going to be looking for some type of player. Would you trade Colin Sexton for Ben Simmons? It is an interesting development because Cavs Twitter has brought that uh, trade scenario to light and I kind of go back and forth with it because the whole problem with Colin and Darius at the one and two position is the pick and roll with those two is tough to watch night in, night out. And that's usually what teams go at them with. One thing you can say about Ben Simmons is I would love for Ben Simmons to be in the pick and roll because I think he's the best guard um, defender in the NBA. Now it's the offensive end and the confidence Um, that really has me worried. The one thing I will say is, uh, and we'll talk about it later with the the 76ers, I I could see it working. Um, I would would have a lot of reservation to do it if I'm Kobe Altman because this fan base doesn't like Kobe anyway, and this could really go you-know-what up uh, very quickly. So I would would have reservations about doing it. I would have to get feedback from J.B. Bickerstaff, and I would have to – I would have to hear him say, I can make this work. I can make us a playoff team with this move. But it is a risky move. It is a move that is being talked about, Gabe. I appreciate you bringing that up because it's something that I uh, every Cavaliers fan has uh, slept on, prayed about, and it's going to keep on happening, I think. Hey, I mean, if the 76ers want Kimball Walker, uh, I wouldn't be too bad. Too, <laughs> Nobody too wants Kimball Walker, Marcus. Hey, I'm just throwing that point out there. If the 76ers want Campbell Walker and need a point guard, hey, there you go. We'll, we'll Jordan take might want seven. him back. Hey, never know. Might get LaMelo Ball. Jordan might be stupid <laughs> enough to, to, to give you LaMelo Ball for Campbell <laughs> Walker, the love child down there in Charlotte. I don't know about I that will, one, buddy. I will say this for the Pistons uh, picking at number one. Mm. Um, why would they have to get Kate Cunningham? They just drafted Killian Hayes last year. Do they already think that he stinks? I mean, it's only been one year. He's already gotten injured. Um, would you want to bring in another guard to disrupt from his development? I say for me, uh, because how the Pistons are, K doesn't have to be at the one. You can put him at the three and just have him working and do like because Kate is a combo guard. Sadiq Bay is a more of a three-point shooter, a three spot up shooter. As he, I believe he broke the records for most threes in a season by a rookie. But uh, yeah, Killian Hayes, nice. Killian Hayes, his development has been question, questionable at times. A lot of Pistons fans have been 
concerned about him. And you know, you still got Jeremy Grant. You could throw Jeremy Grant at the four. He doesn't have to be at the three. So if you put in Kate, Kate doesn't have to be the primary ball handler like he was so much at Oklahoma State because they needed they literally needed him to do that. <laughs> so if you if you have another ball handler like Killian Hayes, you can run some plays for Killian and then some plays for Kate. And, and I really think the Pistons are so early in their rebuild. It's okay to kind of start clean again. They're not four years into it. I, I think they, they just really restarted with it. I think they extended Dwayne Casey. I think he's coming back. I, I think they've got the time. And I think Cade is such a good player where it's kind of that situation where it's best available and you just take them and you figure it out later. And, and I think uh, the Pistons are kind of in that mold where they're so early in this thing. It's okay to kind of shuffle around with it just a little bit. Hey, Kate, Kate is Kate. I, I will say, I wish Kate could have stayed in Oklahoma. That's all I'm gonna say. He, you can watch his highlight tapes. Boy, nice. Hey, also, one thing I want to say the Minnesota Timberwolves need to stop tanking because you just gave up <laughs> your seventh pick to the Golden State Warriors. Now, Golden State has the seventh and the 14th pick. Minnesota, do better, play defense, and score better. I'll say that. Though. All right, but we're gonna move on. We can talk about the semifinals of the playoffs as we gonna, might as well go ahead and hit on this because we talked about Ben Simmons. The 76ers ends up losing to the Atlanta Hawks in seven after Kevin Herter, the Red Rocket, as some people call him. Uh, I think the the uh, some Atlanta players call him Kayvon when he's hot. <laughs> That's what John Collins called him. But 76ers Lose three games at home. Game seven, Ben Simmons. I guess he wanted to be like a pandemic P a little bit from the free throw line and, and not even dunking the ball. And, and then, hey, it was just a lot of things that went wrong that could go wrong for the 76ers, went wrong for the 76ers. And the Atlanta Falcons are in the conference finals. The Game- Falcons? No, not allowed. Not the Falcons. Atlanta Hawks. The Falcons wish they was in the. They was wish. They wish they was there, but the Atlanta Hawks is in the conference finals. Gabe, I gotta bring this to you because your guy, who you believe is the second best, actually, who we all think has a debatable who's the best in the East. They're both out of the uh, conference finals. Uh, so your guy, Joel Embiid, what happened? What would it what actually I got a question for both of y'all starting with you, Gabe, what could Doc Rivers have done differently in game seven to deal with all that? Um, well, before you get to game seven, I would go to game six whenever um, the Hawks were going on their run. Doc should have put his starters back in to stop said run. They, he should not have allowed them back in the game. Now on to game seven, it's not really much that, let's see, what would I blame Doc Rivers for? Because honestly, I think that's about 40% his fault. I place no blame on Joel Embiid, actually 10%. 10% blame on Joel Embiid because you just can't turn the ball over eight times in a game. Um, But he did his darndest. He was on the torn meniscus, and he averaged 30 and 10. What else do you want the man to do? Um, as far as Ben Simmons goes, like in any of his starters go, how his roster was built up. So they lost Danny Green to injury. Seth Curry was playing out of his mind. 
And what were you going to bank on? Um, Shake Milton doing something? Uh, ben Simmons, like, you you get what you get from him from the defensive side of the ball, which was great. I mean, he held Trey Young to what, like, what was he, four for 23 or something in the game. Obviously, he played a lot better in the fourth quarter. I think he finished off like three for seven in the fourth quarter. He can start knocking down shots. But you kind of have to ride with him because who else are you going to put in? There was literally no one else to put in. And then for Ben Simmons, um, I, I can't justify his non-dunking under the ball. Um, I can't justify his inability to make free throws because that I, I talk about any NBA player that is just bad from the free throw line. The line has been 15 feet your entire life. It's never moved. It's never been shorter. It's never been longer. Why can't you hit free throws? Um, so which is mostly like a mental thing. But I, I think I place <sighs> really you want to know what the real issue is. Um, I know Daryl Morey is the president of basketball uh, with the 76ers. Is Elton Brand still the GM? Pretty sure. Let, me look, let me look that up just to make sure. Conf I think Elton Brand is still the GM, and I blame Elton Brand for giving away these contracts. You make Ben <laughs> Simmons basically untradeable because he hasn't gotten better, so that's on Ben Simmons and Elton Brand. And then you sign Tobias Harris to 100 and what, like, $33 million over the next he four is. or five years. I mean, what, what are you going to do with this? Tobias, he's not, he's not just, he can score points, but heck, he got, he threw up some duds as well. So I don't, I'll give Doc Rivers some of the blame about 40%. I give Ben Simmons probably like 50% of the blame and then Joel Embiid 10%. It wasn't terrible. Patty, what you got? Well, this is a, this is a tough one because, um, I don't know if you guys saw this. I can't remember the exact NBA player uh, went on an Instagram live and kind of bashed Doc Rivers. I don't know if you guys can. Oh, that me was out on. Uh, that was um that, Josh uh, Josh Josh um, Josh uh, Green. Smith Josh Smith Smith Josh Smith jo- Josh Smith yes Josh Smith. Um, <laughs> he, well he just went on a, on a tear on Doc Rivers saying he doesn't make in game adjustments. I'm not smart enough to know what really in game adjustments should have been made, other than an adjustment that makes Ben Simmons shoot free throws well and dunks the basketball. I don't know if there, uh, I don't think there's nothing to be done in, in that department. I put most of this on, on Ben Simmons and I don't know. Uh, Shaq kind of said if that was in his locker room, he would have fought him. I don't know if I would go that far, but I, I think Ben has really got to take a lot of the blame here on this one. And I, I'm not sure there's much he could have done because when a player's confidence was gone, like what Ben Simmons was, it's over. Uh, you can't get it back uh, really in the playoffs. I think even if they moved on, I think Ben would have been just a, a, a shell of himself the entire Eastern Conference Finals. I, I don't think they would have made it past Milwaukee um, anyway. So um, really, you got to put most of this on the star players. Um, Joel Embiid had some kind of late game antics that weren't great. Ben Simmons, of course, had the had the nightmare. You just got to put it on the superstars. Coaches, at the end of the day, get a lot of credit, but I put most of the blame on superstars and LeBron has found this out. Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook found this out in OKC. At the end of the day, you just got to find a way to get it done. You got to get that one basket, got to get that one stop. And at the end of the day, Philly, they just never did get that. Yeah, for me. So for me, like Doc Rivers, he is known. Don't get me wrong. Doc Rivers is known to blow leads. Just plain and simple. He just blown a lot of leads and 
So he's going to get blamed, like, regardless, whether it's a blown lead or not. But, for instance, he's, uh, when Gabe talked brought up game six, even game five, you got to realize, Gabe, when the Hawks bench went on a run, you know good and well that uh, coaches know that you really just can't insert your starters when the, the opposing team's bench is hot because by then you're trying to cool them down. It's not going to work a lot of times. And then they're going to, the momentum is on their side. So when their starters come in, they're feeling hot. They're still going to feel confident. And then your guys, by the time you try to cool the bench down, they're getting tired. So the starters come back in fresh and they just keep it rolling. I think that's what happened game five, game six. They tried to do it a little bit different and it helped out in the end because of some, some weird stuff that happened. Uh, the lights going out and whatnot in game six that I think that was the momentum changer as well after Trey Young knocked down that three. But once game seven hit, you know, the pressure's all on you. For Joel Embiid to have eight turnovers, that, sh- that can't happen when you're the best player on the court uh, because you knew all series long that late double was coming. I think personally, instead of jumping in the air, trying to make a jump pass, just step through it. Tobias Harris, who was getting off, scoring 20 points easily the first four games, has to play better in the end. Uh, the last couple games, Ben Simmons, I don't know what – it's not enough words to say on what happened, what went wrong. And then he's talking about changing his shot. The 76ers is the last team I want to be having to say, we're going to help somebody, a, a star player, with his jump shot. Because the last person they said that with was Markel Fultz. And look at him now. Look at the shot form that he had when they said they was going to help him out. He could barely shoot a free throw. Ben Simmons can't shoot a free throw now. He can't shoot a free throw now. You're talking about changing his shot or switching hands? Come on now. Come on now, y'all. Be serious. Yes, Ben Simmons, you need to get to the free throw line. Get Work on your free throws. Like Gabe said, it's always been 15 feet from the basket. But don't change the shot all the way. Don't, don't switch hands. Because that muscle memory, you got that means you got to change everything. That muscle memory of shooting left-handed, now switching to the right hand, it's going to take you way longer than an offseason to get comfortable if you're going to switch your dominant hand to your offhand. I, I, I just can't see it. Uh, ben Simmons, you just got to make 100 free throws a day. That's something simple, something, something that simple. If you make 100 free throws a day, and then also what, what it's, a, it's a simple thing. Like you can put, go on YouTube, blast crowd noises in your ear, and make a hundred free throws. That's what that's what think, the old head. I think they said the key is ten thousand. You need to shoot ten thousand shots, or maybe even make ten thousand shots to finally get like that muscle memory um, adjusted. Uh, maybe he needs to go granny style. I'll tell you this: uh, one of the best free throw shooters of all time, um, Barry. Um, what? Who am I forgetting? Uh, Barry. Brent, Brent Barry's dad, Rick Barry, 
Rigberry, one of the best yeah, shooters, free throw yeah. shooters. One of the best free throw shooters of all time. He shot underhanded. Wilt Chamberlain's his best year shooting from the free throw line. He shot underhanded. He got made fun of. So then he got went back to shooting terribly from the line because he wanted to shoot how it was in style. Maybe Social Ben media. Simmons need to uh, shoot underhanded. So, Social yeah, they'll kill him. Kill. And I hope – I pray to God Ben Simmons hasn't been on social media. He needs to stay off social media for about a week or two um, until, you know, other things come along, which, uh, I mean, I guess something has come along. Alex Caruso, free my, free my man Caruso uh, over in Texas. Uh, so maybe they'll take the heat off of him. But he'll have to figure out something, obviously. You just can't be that atrocious from the line as well as – um, you can miss shots, but the unforgivable thing is not shooting them. And that is what he did not do in the fourth quarter. And I do understand this. Like people say, Giannis, you should shoot threes. Or for example, Rondo, he, uh, people, he would shoot threes or whatever. And I'm like, why, why shoot them if you're just going to miss them? I don't think that you necessarily have to shoot threes, um, but you do need some scoring moves. That's the thing with Giannis. He doesn't really have any scoring moves, but he's so dominant. Everywhere else, it doesn't really matter. Um, but, yeah, he'll – one, free throws. Two, figure out some type of scoring move on the inside, some type of post move, something. You, you got to do something. And, hey, and I, and I, I, I would have yeah. – one, one thing real quick before Pat and Goat, Caruso was smoking on that Clippers pack. Uh, that's why he got <laughs> caught up. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. Well, I, I will say this. I have seen this kind of narrative thrown around. Do you guys think Ben Simmons is in the gym enough? I, I, I've seen people lock him in the gym until I, – I don't think it's necessarily the work ethic. I think he tries. Um, you see you all every every summer that Ben Simmons has been in the league, we see clips of him shooting threes and making them. I, I, I just think it's all I, – I don't know if he needs to go to a psychiatrist, a sports psychiatrist. I don't know what's going on. I think he's putting in the effort. It's it's just a baffling development. He can't put it into the games. Hey, I don't like I said, a hundred makes minimum Ben Simmons. That's the easiest, that's the easy route. I we ain't gonna say like how Kobe was, you gotta make thousands of jumpers a day. Just try to make a hundred first. And then you just slowly increase your way up. Get your confidence back up, buddy. But it's possible for you. I, because y'all see that he's not going to play for the Olympics uh, this year either. So, Mm-mm. hey, I don't know. It's just going to be tough. Mentally tough. That's, I think that's another thing for a lot of athletes. You got to be mentally tough in this day and age with social media aspect because they're going to they gonna drill you. You Pandemic P knows it very well. They're going <laughs> to drill you when you when you play terrible. Go, don't go on Twitter. Don't go on Instagram. Don't even go on TikTok because they're going to be waiting for you. So just stay off of social media, just focus on your game, come back stronger, and just hit your free throws. You ain't got to shoot threes. If you make your three th- free throws and shoot 15-footers, I guarantee you will be A-OK in a 76ers uniform. 76ers fans will love you for just making 15-footers. I mean, Who he knows? might be done for the Sixers, though. I'm not going to lie. He, he might be done for the Sixers. He might um, be done. Don't get me wrong. Well, Doc Rivers was talking after after the game. It's hard not to think that for sure. Hey, that, that's a lot of I don't knows. Uh, so that's the thing. You got who would y'all? A lot of people. Who would y'all trade for him? Do y'all I, have I don't any know. Like I don't know what, prospects. I, I really Jeff don't Walker. know what you. 
I don't know what you get for him just because of the contract. I, I think you're going to have the same situation with Kevin Love is, hey, we're helping you get rid of this contract. <laughs> Kemba Walker. Same contract. Same similar contract. Kemba Walker. Let's get it. Let's get it, Sam Presty. But we're going to send it to a quick break. <laughs> These guys looking at me crazy. <laughs> we got to send it to a quick break, and we'll be right back more Just Talking Sports. Welcome back, guys. We're going to stay in the Eastern Conference because we're going to go ahead and talk about this Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they're advancing to the conference final as well. Uh, hey, I just want to say I admit I was wrong because on the live podcast, I was like, the only way the Bucks is going to win if Chris Middleton dropped 35. And he did drop exactly <laughs> 35. Actually, he had 37 and five made threes in game six. But game seven uh, didn't go that route. Uh, with Chris Middleton, but Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday just made timely shots. Both of those guys shot terrible in game seven. Uh, uh, but in the fourth quarter and overtime, they just seemed to got it done. I'm not going to lie, personally, game seven, I was very questionable of Drew Holiday taking some of those shots late in the fourth quarter because he had only made like three. He was like three for 18 at one point in time, and then he just – but he – Kept his confidence high. He didn't do what Ben Simmons did. He kept shooting, and he knocked them down. I will say also as well, though, the Bucks are lucky because if it was Kevin Durant, it was just inches, what, maybe maybe one, two inches back, the Nets would have been in the conference finals right now. That's how close it was. Because that was a dagger before overtime. Uh, KD being by himself basically, because, oh, let me go ahead and say this now. Because James Harden, I was also wrong about James Harden. James Harden played full starter minutes, but did not play like he was a full-blown starter. Uh, a whopping two for ten from three. Uh, he did have 20 points, but that was all majority coming from the free throw line. Uh, James Harden, you are playing in the Olympics. Hopefully you get your rest, but you could have did better in game seven. This was on the line. We all know how James Harden and gets crucified for his playoff pressure in those game six and game seven moments. But you could have played better because KD needed help. You was on the court. KD, Kevin Durant did everything possible to try to save this season, and you failed him, buddy. Why? Why why did you shoot so terrible? Yes, I understand you might have had a bum hamstring, but you played 38 minutes at minimum. You played full game, the entire game. Steve Nash wasn't taking you out. Steve Nash said to hell with all the bench players and he kept you out there. You played the entire game. Yes, you got to the free throw line, all that. But you were just frailing and the referees was giving you everything. Let's be honest, fellas. James Harden, you should have played shot better from the field. Even if you couldn't shoot if you couldn't drive to the basketball three times the entire game, the least you could have did was make more than two threes and miss eight. I mean, he did. I will commend Harden because, honestly, I thought that after what he – I think he came in game five, I believe. That was his first game back. Um, I didn't think that that hamstring would get any better. I thought that he would actually play worse, and I think that he did play better over the last two games, at least statistically-wise. Um and he's the ultimate distraction. I mean, if you leave him and he starts cooking, that might be y'all tail. But um, he, he did what he could. Um, 
for the Nets, I think Steve Nash did the right thing with leaving basically all his starters in and just riding with his guys because these guys are NBA players. They should be into NBA shape. They should be able to play an entire game. Jeff Green barely played. That didn't make sense for me. Like Bruce Brown was playing well, but Jeff Green only played like 12 minutes. Well, Jeff Green sucks. Jeff Green was playing at least 28 minutes. That's well, what, what was, was Jeff Green going to do? He could have did anything. That's the thing. You, he knocked he, down uh, seven. What was he, he shot? Like seven for eight uh, from three. What was that game? Six. Honestly, game five, I, I think. Game five. I, well, game five, I would not. I would bet my life that he would never shoot that again in that series, and obviously hey, he didn't. I just, I just want to say, if he hit two threes, that's a different ball game. If, that's a big if. If you watch Jeff Green, um, he started out with the Thunder. He ended up going to Boston, and he would ball out for Boston sometimes. And then he would suck for Boston a lot of times. He was the ultimate trick-or-treat player. And I think Steve Nash didn't want to um, be It's game tricked. seven. It's game seven. Put, put all your tips on the line. Don't, don't just kill your starters. I think I, they did the what they could. I think, I think uh, also for me – it was more of like a Mike D'Antoni kind of thing because you know Mike D'Antoni's gonna play his guys a lot of minutes and just just want you to leave it all out there. But you could tell those guys was fatigued. And yes, a lot of people say your superstars don't get fatigued. You play 48 minutes, you're gonna be tired. Blame Joe Harris for not knocking down any threes. That's what I say. Blame Joe Harris. But the Bucks. They do their thing. They advance. Uh, Patton, did you think that the uh, Nets had a chance? in this game well I, I think kevin rant kind of found out what lebron felt in 2018 where game one he went for 50 15 and 15 and it still didn't matter and I'll tell you what that shot kevin had right at the end of regulation i don't think you're going to see any any better kind of executed shots uh, than that one right there it's just like uh, like mark just mentioned if he trimmed his toenails uh, the night before that's a three-pointer and uh, unfortunately enough, they go into um, go into overtime, and it just did, didn't end up mattering. But I will say this. I'm happy for the Bucks because a lot of slander gets put on Chris Middleton and Giannis, and both of them showed up. Both of them uh, both of them were there when they needed them. Drew Holiday didn't have a, a great game by any means, but sp- specifically Chris Middleton, uh, he's the guy who apparently was going to make Giannis leave because he was, he was so bad. Well, he showed up, and uh, I'm happy for those because that's a team you can get behind. Giannis, of course, signing that big old contract with Milwaukee. He's not going to go to to an L.A., to a New York like a Mr. LeBron James. He's there for the city. And uh, he's got him on their back, headed to a conference finals, and uh, happy for him. I was I was a bit of uh, a bit of rooting for for the Nets because I thought they were a fun little team to to keep an eye on, and they were a fun team to watch. But Kevin Durant found out that he can't do it by himself, and uh, Kyrie Irving and and James Harden they need to get healthy because both of those guys have kind of known for starting to pick up little niggles throughout the season, and if they don't, it's uh, it's hard to picture this team going anywhere because this is a, a is a roster win now, and if you don't win now, you're not going to win for a whole uh, a long time. That's another thing I do want to point out, uh, it was a really interesting, weird fact is that Kevin Durant wears a size shoe one like one bigger. So, like, if he wore 15, <laughs> he would wear a 16 just to be comfortable. But if he if he wore that actual size 15, that that he, he might have been behind a three point line. You never know. 
those weird those weird kind of deals. But also another thing was that's extremely tough is that Spencer Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie actually got cleared for all basketball activities yesterday. <laughs> just yesterday. So he could have had an opportunity to play later, like in the middle of the Eastern Conference Finals. And that would have been tough for the – like you got another guard that could have played basketball really well with Harden, with KD. That's just – it's really unfortunate how injuries just derailed the Nets. But instead of going, dwelling on the past, let's go ahead and move forward because the Bucks do play the Hawks on tonight. Uh, who you guys got winning game one? And I don't know. Me personally, I don't know about this series because the Hawks is an under, underdog. But those guys got a lot of confidence. So I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks take two games. Um, I think that the Bucks have the best player, obviously, in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, I'm not sure who will be the second best player in the series. And if I had to bet on it, I would go with Middleton with those two being the top two. But then everything else down, basically, I mean, you sprinkle a Bucks player in here or there. But I think that the Hawks have one of the best supporting casts that we've seen, period, um, in the last like 10 years, as far as guys that can get their own shots, um, guys that can defend the rim pretty well. Clint Capella, he does a really good job. John Collins, he does fairly well doing pretty much anything. He can knock down a three. Um, he's usually got a guy that's catching lobs because he can jump a foot and a half, two feet above the rim. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see, especially with the Bucks supporting cast woes. And by supporting cast, I mean Chris Middleton and down. They don't really play particularly well on the road, or at least there is a significant drop-off in their production on the road. So the Hawks, they might be able to get pretty much every game at home. Um, so I don't think that the Bucks want to allow this to go deep. But if the Hawks go out and steal either game one or game two in Bucks land, this might be a very, very interesting series. And, oh, my gosh, if the Hawks make it to the finals, I have some very, very hot takes because Trey Young, he, he making it do what it does. I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from him. Um, so we'll, we shall see. I think Holiday is a guy that can kind of shut that down, though. So – I will side with the Bucks. Game one, they have uh, – they played – no, I think – who played the most recent game? I know they're both coming out of game sevens. So, both of them will have their adrenaline pumping. They're all uh, – they, it wasn't like they were just sitting cold for a week. So, I think this is going to be a fiery game one, and I'm excited. But I will – one more thing, I do give the coaching edge to Nate McMillan. He has done a fantastic job with this Hawks team. And one reason why I didn't want to see the Bucs succeed is not anything against Giannis. I think Budenhauser needs to be fired. Whether they win the championship or not, if they win the championship, they're not going to fire him. But I don't think he's the guy to get the job done. So we shall see. Uh, quickly on your point, Gabe, there about uh, Trey Young. I don't think he's faced a defender, a guard defender like um, like Drew Holiday. I think it's really – I think it's really going to be tough. It's going to be tough for him whether or not he can get it going early. But I will say this. I was listening to first take here this morning. And uh, Stephen A., he's he's saying it, it'd be a criminal if the Bucks don't win in five. And I'm not willing to go that far just yet because I think this Hawks team, they've shown 
they've shown a scrappiness that I haven't seen from really many teams in quite a long time. I, I think it it gives off vibes of that Miami Heat team uh, last season in, in the bubble. I know that's not a long time ago, but you kind of get my point. There aren't many teams like this that come around where they just find ways to win no matter what. Trey Young didn't have a great game seven. It didn't matter. They found a way to win, and I think there's something a lot to be said about that. I will say this. I think Giannis – um, I don't think there's anyone on that Hawks team who can guard Giannis, so I see this being a large issue for him. I, I see too many um, defensive problems for Atlanta to, to end up winning this this series, but I think Atlanta's going to win their games at home. I see this one going six. Um, I see um, I see the Bucks winning one game, uh, I think, in Atlanta, and I think that's going to be all she wrote. And I see this one being a competitive series, and I see it being a fun series for all kind of NBA fans because this is the future right now this Atlanta team is the future in the east beyond Giannis I think I agree with both of you guys uh I think for me one thing to bring up is the Clint Capella Brooke Lopez matchup because that's I think that's going to be a a pretty big uh matchup for this series because if Brooke Lopez can't hit threes and Clint Capella is going to be sagging in the paint trying to uh get out on Giannis from driving to the basket hey that could be – it's a make-or-miss league. That's the, that's the point. And then with the Hawks, they've been playing exceptionally well on the road. That's the thing that scares me the most. So, yes, I know the Bucs play extremely well on the, at home, but the Hawks also play extremely well on the road. And the Hawks, they can go on a run. And when they go on the run, it seems like they don't cool down. And it can happen from – like Gabe said, it can happen from anybody. Gallinari, Herder, Bogdanovich. Lou William, sweet baby Lou sometimes, whenever he want to. <laughs> hey, it's that team, that team is pretty dangerous. And you can't, I'm not gonna say it's gonna be over with in five, even though the Bucks should be favored. The Bucks can have some stinkers. I will say we all know that Bud, Bud as well. He has some stinkers. Hey, Trey Young, I think is Chris Middleton the second best player over Trey Young. I'm gonna say no on that one, Gabe. Uh, I don't I'm think say- that he's better than him. I'm saying on a night-to-night basis, as far as their performances go, I think Chris Middleton will probably do Chris better Middleton- as what he does at home. Chris Middleton I think he'll have though, on averages. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. But then That's- again, Trey Young will be guarded by Drew Holiday. I don't think that he's gonna have as much success as he's been having. That's that is also true. All right, let's go ahead and move forward to the West because two games in the Western Conference Finals has already happened, and the Suns are up 2-0. Uh, without Chris Paul, Chris Paul, they're, look, they're making it seem like Chris Paul going to be ready for game three, but Pandemic P was in attendance on yesterday, clanking those free throws late at the end of the game, and Twitter let him have it. Then that led to DeAndre Aiden Lobb, it's not basket interference for people who think it is. That's not basket interference. You can basically throw it into the rim and the guy touch it above the rim and dunk it in. That's still going to count. So if you think that's basket interference, check the rule books because we've seen it multiple times happen. Even the Suns did it a couple years back against the Grizzlies. It, it, you can do that. That's, that's the rule. But the Suns getting it done. For me personally, I think the Clippers need Kawhi Leonard. Just plain and simple, they need him back as soon as possible. But we don't know if he's going to come back. Because when Chris Paul comes back, 
pandemic P can't come out no more. <laughs> Just plain and simple. They need Paul George to come out and hoop because he can't have a bad shooting night like he did yesterday. Your best player can't be Reggie Jackson. I'm 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 sorry. Yeah, you you hit he hit some clutch shots in the fourth quarter, but saving them down the stretch, it can't be Reggie Jackson. It has to be Paul George. You know, Paul George said he got that uh Indiana mindset and whatnot. Well, we needed to come out. Playoff P needs to come out in attendance for the rest of this series if the Clippers have a chance. Am I right in thinking that the Clippers have gone down 2-0 in every series that they've been in? Um, I find that, that fascinating. Correct. I'm not sh- I, I'm not sure what Ty Lue's waiting on. He's, he keeps he seems to wait until about game four or five to really throw in the adjustments. How about we make them in game two? <laughs> and it, it really didn't end up happening. I will say this at the end of, of game two. I don't know what else the Clippers could have done in that situation. It's just a great ran play, and it's great execution. And when you have an absolute phenom at the center position and DeAndre Ayton who can go up and get any ball, there's nothing you could do. Uh, when you set a, a backdoor screen like that, a, a pin-down screen, I should say, there's nothing you can do there other than have just eight guys under the basket, but that leaves open open shots for guys who can shoot on, on the Phoenix end. Um, I will say this. I, I saw a stat um, on Twitter. I think that was the highest rated game the NBA's had since 02, um, the, the, the viewership-wise, and that's great for the NBA because the whole question was, what is it going to be like when you don't have a Kevin Durant, you don't have a LeBron James, Steph Curry, or stuff like that? NBA's eating right now, and that and that's Get good for them because they need that. Get those no, no, old guys out what, of there. That, that's what the NBA fans are saying apparently right now. So um, great two games for Phoenix. I think this spells trouble because I think the best player that Phoenix has, I think it is Chris Paul and the leader of this team, and he's coming back ready to go, COVID-free for game three. I see this being a quick one, uh, five games maybe. One thing I do want to say uh... – Campaign went for a check uh, with his career high. And, uh, you know, he's he's from Murray State, another Memphis guy as well, get, going out, getting buckets, <laughs> as, as Gabe breaths to him. But also, one thing to piggyback on with Ty Lue. Why did Ty Lue go with Patrick Beverly and Zubak in really at the same time? And then also, when in game one, when Devin Booker was going for a check, he was attacking those bigs. I think I think the adjustments that he was be making be at the wrong time. That's that's essentially how he got down 2-0 in every series. You like he makes Tyloo makes great adjustments, but sometimes in the beginning of the series, he makes the wrong adjustments and he has to correct himself. I think that's that's what's happening in these series. And I think he will make the right adjustments. Because Nicholas Batum not playing a lot of minutes really just didn't make sense to me. But you're going to play him in the clutch, well, like an offense-defense role. I don't I don't understand that. Uh, I think one thing for sure, though, is that they can utilize those bigs like Zubak and DeMarcus Cousins against the Phoenix bench. Because they don't have no answer for DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton is shooting 50% from the field in like the last eight or nine playoff games. 50, now. like 70, dude. Like you know, it's at minimum, at minimum 50. <laughs> it's, like, it's like at minimum 50. And, like, they have no answer for him. And Phoenix, 
honestly, Aiden could get almost 30 every night against the Clippers if he wanted to. If he took if he took 17 shots, there's a very high chance he's getting 25 plus. He, you saw him making 15 footages on yesterday. It, they have no answer for a dude. Just plain and simple. So I don't if you go small, he's gonna crash the boards, get a lot of offensive rebounds. You go big, then you got a, a high chance with Chris Paul coming back now, attacking those bigs, Devin Booker attacking those bigs. I don't know. It's it's looking very questionable for the Clippers right now. That's why I think Kawhi Leonard needs to go ahead and hurry up and come back. I think Kawhi might be done. Uh the reason why I wouldn't say that for sure is because if they if he was done, if it was a torn ACL or whatever, they probably would have already gotten the MRI and we have, would have already gotten uh, the report that he would be done. I think there's a chance that he comes back maybe later on in the series if they make it to later on in the series or possibly come back in the finals. Um, for Ty Lu, I think that he's one of the best coaches left. Um, it's not many coaches that I would take over him as far as – uh, his playoff, his playoff resume. I mean, going down three-one against Golden State and coming back, uh, going down zero-two in every series this year and coming back. So he's made the right adjustments. He's just had to figure out um, what players to play and what positions to put them in um, to see success. Yesterday, it was kind of like a slow game, a slug them out game. Um, as far as down the stretch, because both teams were just trying to get into their sets and run plays that they felt would um, would put the ball in the basket, what would be most successful. Uh, Paul George, <sighs> Paul George, Paul George. I think he played decent. Uh, he should not have missed those two free throws. Obviously, he he's going to be down on himself for missing those two free throws, but I think that he can be the best player. Um, in this series I think that he has the talent to be the best player Devin Booker has been playing the best uh, even though he didn't play great great in the first three quarters of this series and even some of the fourth quarter but he knocked down some clutch shots uh, but Paul George he will have to step it up he will have to show that he is the best player in this series Reggie Jackson he's been playing phenomenal Marcus Morris you're gonna have to pick it up um, but I, I'm not sure once they get CP3 back it might be curtains. If if Kawhi doesn't come back, it just might be over for the clips. I will say I was listening to the, the Suns broadcast. And when I say those Suns broadcast, they was mad on the refs the entire fourth quarter because <laughs> there was some questionable things being said and being called. Uh Scott Foster, they they was heated with Scott. Uh they saying Scott was trying to get a clip of the ball game. I, I don't know. I, I, I ain't going to vouch for them, but I understand their frustrations. Pandemic P, you got to hit those free throws, man. That's free it's, throws. It, yeah. What you got to say, buddy? I was just going to say, it's always, it's always Scott Foster. Uh, every time, I, I feel like it's Scott Foster. He just loves being in the limelight. He loves being criticized. He loves being talked about. I will say this. You, you mentioned uh, campaign and Chris Paul coming back. How, how, how many minutes do you give campaign? I think he's elevated his, his minutes. I don't think you can just ride Chris Paul as much as you can just with, with uh, what Cameron Payne was giving you. I, I'd be interested in what you think on that, Marcus, because this is a tough situation for Monty, Monty Williams to be in. For me, if I'm Monty Williams, first off, I got to see the – because you know with COVID and the symptoms, because, for instance, Jason Tatum, 
had to have an inhaler when he never had to use an inhaler during games or whatnot. So you got to see how the fatigue sets in for Chris Paul when he first comes back because before getting COVID, Chris Paul was going to get his 35, 38 minutes if he wanted to. Maybe he got to push it back. Campaign, I think campaign deserves more minutes just on how well he's playing. And also, the campaign and Chris Paul's numbers look very similar. So, like, the, the flow of offense doesn't extremely drop between the both of them. So you could insert one and not have a downfall or a not a failure when campaign is in there or when Chris Paul is in there. I don't think that's what's best for both guys because they just want to win. That's all that matters. They don't care how many minutes they play because they're just going to go out, do what needs to be done for the team, facilitating, getting to the basket, getting those floaters, those mid-range jumpers, and just getting what's best for their team. So I think campaign deserves more minutes. It just depends on how Chris Paul is feeling when that third quarter hit in the in the middle of the second quarter, at the late of the second quarter, middle of the third quarter, how he's feeling. Because you know he's going to get that break. And then when fourth quarter hit last six minutes, it's going to be Chris Paul time. If you are the Clippers, um, what do you think you're able to do if you're just like, all right, Kawhi is not coming back. We can't depend on him. Um, what would you do as far as adjustments? Because I think that maybe you give up a little bit on the defensive side because, once again, you're not really going to stop Aiden. Aiden on the inside and Devin Booker, either he's going to be on or he's going to be off. I don't really think that the Clippers were doing anything to make him shoot badly. I think that he was just having an off night. Um, I think that they might have to sacrifice a little bit on defense for a little bit more offense. Luke Kennard came in at the end of that game, knocking down pretty much every shot that touched his hands. Um, maybe put in some more Luke Kennard. I'm not sure how badly that would affect the defense. Maybe they go Kennard hunting. Um, but I, you'll have to score some more points somehow. I, I think it's interesting. And another another development, I think, it's got to be a little physical. I think you've got guys to be physical, specifically Pat Pat Beverly. I think he is the secret weapon here, not necessarily offensively, but I think he's got to get in Devin Booker's head or Chris Paul's head one. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think that's one way you can do it in some of these younger teams. Even though they've made it this far, they don't have a whole lot of experience in, in the conference finals and closing a team out. I think you've got to got to be scrappy these are a team full of veterans that the Clippers have and guys who have been there done that um, but I think at the end of the day if Kawhi isn't coming back I don't see a way they can come back I, I think they could kind of hold on just enough uh, last series when they were playing um, in, in right before the conference finals but right now with the team as hot as the Phoenix Suns are without a, a bona fide superstar I don't think um, Paul George is that I just don't see them coming back uh, honestly uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one, Patton, because if you look at Devin Booker nose on yesterday after the game, almost looked like it was broken and he had no face. Uh, Patrick Reverly can't do nothing against Devin Booker, honestly, because he's too tall. Just shoot right over the top of him. Uh, will Patrick Beverly do something against Chris Paul? There's a chance, but honestly, I don't think they have – I don't think the Clippers have an answer without Kawhi for both Booker and Aiden. So you have to let one eat and not the other. So me personally, 
honestly, if Aiden, I would have to let Aiden eat because I know he's going to get nothing but two. He's not going to shoot anything from three. So I would try to try to, before Chris Paul comes back, but I would try to take out, not take out as like injured Booker, but try to take him out of his game and just let Aiden go to work. Because if Aiden gets 25 and 15, you still have a chance to win. If Devin Booker gets 30 and Aiden gets 20, it's a very low chance that you win in that ball game. Just plain and simple. Like you got to take out one. Because Chris Paul can get his. I, you just got to take out one. And without Kawhi, that's tough. Because I know Paul George isn't going to get that assignment on against Devin Booker because he's got to put a lot of input out on the offensive end. So if that's Nicholas Batum, if that's Terrence Mann, because you got to get longer defenders on Devin Booker. You can't get Patrick Beverly just to be right under him because all they're going to do is just go pick and roll action. And he's just going to shoot right over the top of him because he's going to have the space, enough space to get over it. Yeah, no, um, I believe that it's not really any stopping D-book. Um, like I said, you just kind of got to hope for an off night, which I don't think that he'll have many. Um, last night was a great opportunity for them to kind of finish it out, but they didn't. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's tough. We'll see what they do back at home in Staples. And uh, I will say, and to your point, these are the games the Suns had to win. They were at home. Great atmosphere down there in Phoenix. That was a, that was a pretty cool sight to see. And we're starting to get into the norm where we're having full capacity of arenas. I don't know if it was necessarily full capacity, but it sure as heck looked like it. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's go ahead and switch to soccer. Um, that's currently on the TV um, right above me right now. France and Portugal Portugal are going at it right now in the Euros 2020. It's not 2021, a bit of an odd title, but that is what they're going for. Marcus, me and you are going to kind of hit a little soccer. Gabe, take a seat and uh, kind of we'll serenade you with some soccer talk here for just a little bit. And kind of Marcus, what me and you were talking about, what we wanted to speak on was this kind of group of death right now, group F that is currently going on between, I think, the three best teams in the tournament right now, three of the four, I, I would say, and that is France, Portugal, and Germany right now. And I will, I will ask you about France, Marcus, because this is the, uh, the world champions. They won the World Cup a few years ago, but they've kind of started off slow in this tournament. It's a tough group. What do you put into um, – what, what do you divide the blame into? Do you divide it kind of being a tough group or kind of they coasting a little bit until they get outside the group stages? Um, I'll say it's a little bit of both. Uh, I don't know because it's almost – I would say it's closer to like 50-50, but it might be 60-40. I don't know whether I want to side to whether they're just coasting because the talent that's on their roster is phenomenal. Uh, they – it's just that they're really in a tough group because we had talked about this before uh, we started the pie. It was that we could see all three of these teams coming out and actually getting deep into the finals. It's, yeah. it's just a tough output when you got all three of those guys. If if Portugal was in the group with the Netherlands, maybe uh, Portugal would have been at the top. If France, France, we know France good and well. If they was in another stage group outside of maybe Belgium or uh, – yeah, either Belgium, if they was in outside of Belgium or Italy, we think France would be at the top. If it wasn't Group A or Group B, I think France would be at the top easily. Uh, should that should I think they should stop coasting? Definitely. 
because this is do or die right now. Uh, this is the last match. Today's, I think, is the last match is before uh, the final 16. So, hey, France, you got to step it up. Yeah, and France is kind of known for this, kind of waiting to – when you got players like Paul Pogba, uh, Conte, and all the all Mbappe, all these players, they kind of seem to coast until the lights really get bright. But you've, we've kind of seen it a few times. They drew with Hungary. Um, two or three days ago. So they've got to kick it up right now, tied at one-to-one in Portugal. There's really been some cool storylines. And Marcus, I don't know if you saw this, the Denmark player Christian Eriksen that came down mm-hmm. with the uh, with a heart attack right at the very beginning of the tournament. They have progressed through a team that not really many thought would make it out, especially after their best player Eriksen got with the heart attack. I want to get your thoughts on that because th- this is kind of what makes sports cool. You can kind of see it quite literally a nation rally around 11 players and they have got them through their they've make made it through the group stages and they're going to get to con- continue on and play in this tournament yeah it was a really scary sight to see uh Eskren, uh just collapse out of nowhere because it was at the beginning of the game as well and for him also to get all the good news to come back it gave a lot of people mm-hmm. confidence and it was like that warm welcoming feeling to see that he was back in good health and he's he's progressing. Now he's not fully back in full health, but he's yeah. progressing to get back to full health. So that's all you can do is just rally around those guys because now Denmark, they want to do it for Eskrin. They don't want to just go out and just compete for themselves. They got a guy, their best player, when their best player is out, we want to do this and have a special moment for him. And that's what they that's what the whole country has been feeling right now. So it's a really good thing to see. That they're getting to that final stage. Yeah, Christian, not out of the not out of the woodworks just yet. I think he he is very much stable in all sorts, but it's just whether or not he's going to be able to get on the field. And that's really the least of his worries right now. I don't think of course, going through a, a moment like that. You're just you're just happy to be you're just happy to be here. He, yeah, for sure. I was gonna say I think he should just lay, just rest, rest up. I don't think he should be going to the field anytime soon. Just rest up. Keep your body first. Health health first before trying to get back onto the field. Now, final final team I want to talk about is I think my favorite right now. I think they're playing the best, uh, best play style of play I've seen from them in quite some time. And that is traditionally a, a kind of boring team in all due respect to uh, my Italians out there. But Italy. The football, there, the football, soccer, however you want to say it, the the play they're playing right now, it's fantastic. I, it, the defense, they have not given up a goal in over a thousand minutes of play is the stat I've seen. And right now, though, the hottest team, it's kind of a new group of Italians, Marcus. They missed the World Cup um, two or three years ago, but they're back here in the Euros. And this new group, it's a hot team right now, and not a whole lot of uh, doubt in them. Uh, how do you see? How far do you see this team going? Uh, Italy was actually one of the teams that shocked me the most, I will say, out of all the other teams, because we knew that Belgium, France. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, my friend Josh, because I know he's over there in Belgium. They having they having a lot of fun over there as they're making it to the uh, final stage. But Italy was the one team I think that shocked me the most on how just dominant that you was, because I saw that stat as well, saying that they just haven't gave up a goal. And that it's it's going to be pretty tough, I think, Really for outside of honestly, I think they have a shot getting into the final four. It just depends on that group F. Yep. That I think that's the if they have that one team, whether that's Portugal, France, or Germany, uh, it, 
whoever whoever they get, if they end up getting one of those Group F teams, I think that will be the only downfall for them. But I think they can get through, uh, honestly, almost anybody else uh, outside of maybe Belgium. I think Belgium might be give them a run for their money as well. I think they could get past the Netherlands, but I think it will be a close one. Yeah, two things on Belgium or on on Italy. I'm sorry, uh, Chiellini, their star center back. He kind of went off injured with a with a bit of a hammy uh, in his last game, so he's going to be key. He's going to be their star man. I will say this: uh, Italy's one of those teams where it's kind of a group effort. They don't have that one guy. They don't have a Ronaldo. They don't have an Mbappe. So that's going to be something they're going to have to figure out. Belgium. They've got Lukaku, who is right now the league goal scorer in this tournament. Be sure to tune in all the games on ESPN. They're kind of in that midday afternoon, so they don't conflict with the NBA. So you can kind of have a full day of sports. If uh, if your mom, your girlfriend tells you get off the TV, tell them sports are on. Chill out. So uh, it's it's been a fun tournament so far. Still a lot more to go. Marcus, I think that is a wrap. Yes, sir. That's all that we have here on today. We appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. Also, one thing to point out, uh, I know the Islanders play Tampa Bay Lightning, the Lightning up 3-2. Hey, the Lightning, the defending champs, they was on the ropes and then bounced back. I think y'all should tune that into that one as well outside of the uh, uh, Milwaukee Bucks-Hawks game here on to, uh, that's later on tonight on Wednesday, June 23rd. But we appreciate you guys listening and tuning in to another episode of the JTS Podcast. We out.